Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Osman, here with my friend, Chavruta Ann Gordon. Our daf today, Masachet Yoma, daf hey, page five. The Gemara here has a very interesting discussion, essentially a machlokas between Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Akiva, and what the word that they keep calling is ma'akev by the Milurim. In other words, what was an essential part of the avoda, or things that had to have happened during the inauguration of the Mishkan? And Rabbi Yochanan is of the opinion that anything that was mentioned in the description of what happens happened in the inauguration is ma'akev, meaning if those things didn't happen, then it's almost like the avoda of the inauguration wouldn't count, it wouldn't be puzzle. And Rabbi Hanina holds that many of these items were not actually um, ma'akev. They weren't actually uh, needed in order to make the avoda valid. Um, and so they go through, you know, some of the differences of the area. So one area is smicha, right? The idea of leaning on an animal. And we're going to talk about smicha when we get to chagiga uh, many, many times. All right. Also with tanufa, right? With waving. Um, also the separating for seven days. And also uh, some of the, uh, the ribui, the gadim, uh, you know, the, the preparation of the clothing and the anointing that had to happen during those seven days. Um, and those seems to be sort of the, the four major areas you know, what the nafka mina would be, what the difference is. What I don't totally understand, and I sort of kind of read this over and over again, is why are we talking about what is ma'ake for what is necessary for a one-time event, right? Like the inauguration of the Mishkan is not going to happen again. The only thing that I can think of is, is this talking about, because this is what the process would be again when the third Beit HaMikdash is built? But that's not really the sense that I got from, the page itself. And so I, I'm taken by that. It's almost like Monday morning quarterbacking, right? Like they're looking at an event that happened in the past and Rabbi Yochanan is sort of saying like, well, let's say they didn't do the smicha. Let's say they didn't do the waving. Would it have counted? But they did it. So obviously it did count. So I just found this whole passage. I don't have a good answer. Maybe one of our co-learners has a better answer than me. Um, but I just found this whole passage to be very puzzling. I appreciated how they really drew out all these distinctions between the opinion of Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Hanina. But just from a practical point of view, this is you're analyzing something that happened in, in the past. And I mean, I guess the point is to say, like, all of these things, according to Rabbi Yochanan, were really an essential part to make the avoda valid. So to me, this makes sense. This question makes sense. Meaning, you know, you're when they look back at the time of the Meluim and they look back at the, on those days and, and then, you know, the actual Hakamata Mishkan, the establishment of the Mishkan, to be able to say, this was essential. This was Ma'ake. This would have prevented it from actually happening. It, it provides us with a, um, the access to an understanding of what is this Mishkan all about. And I feel like you know, the moment you say, well, you didn't really need this to be there, let's say, right? Like, so instead of coming to this conclusion of every aspect was necessary and any missing element would have been ma'akev, it would have prevented it from being valid. If we had said, well, in fact, you didn't need this, that would have been very telling. To look back on what has happened and say everything that has happened was necessary is a really strong statement and unusual, as opposed to saying, I don't know, that this is this is what they did, this is what they tried, and it would have worked fine anyway, right? So to say that, I don't know, if you walk backwards six times, you know, six steps, 
I understand that's not what's in the in the chumash, right? But that to to say that each little element of what they've done from smicha yadaim, from tenufa, from like all of these different aspects, um, each element gets a different identity by the fact of identity, as it were, by the fact that it is part of hakamat mishkan, as opposed to being. I don't know, just a detail that might come up and a happenstance in Carbonote. I, I, I hear what you're saying, right? Like it's 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 trying to really make us understand what was the process of Hakamata Mishkan. But, you know, again, I just, the language around it is just, and the whole discussion around it is just interesting because again, it's analyzing a past event. Obviously it was valid because it already happened. Um, I guess there were some elements of that day that were not valid, right? Meaning there was... To be clear about one other thing is that there's actually two places where it appears. There's the instruction for it in Shmot, and then when it actually happened in Vayikra. Um, and there are a few small, slight differences there, which the text, you know, which the Gemara even talks about, but they are basically the same. Well, the other thing is, of course, that the day was not perfect, right? The fact that none of an avihu bring an Eish Zarash, a strange fire that they were not commanded. And the fact that Chazal jumped through hoops to figure out exactly what they've done wrong that would merit their death on the Mizbeach, right? Meaning they die in a fiery, it's terrible, right? Meaning from a, from a human perspective. I know there's a, there's a view in Midrash that says, no, really, they were just trying to get close to Hashem and he, he honored that, you know, but that is not the predominant view. And it also is not the human experience of their death, right? Something went wrong in, I mean, from a, again, from our perspective in the way this day happened. So could they have done something differently or was it all necessary that it happened this way? I feel like it's not a crazy question. And then one other thing I would say is that the entirety of Sefer Bamidbar, right? The book of numbers is, you know, recounting details and mitzvot and things like that, which we analyze and learn from, but we're never really going to do again because we're never going to be that generation that was living in the wilderness. Um, and I think, but I think what you said is actually a really good, you know, point, which is, and maybe that's what this is being sensitive to, like, as much as that day was planned, it really ended in a terrible, tragic way and did not go the way that it was supposed to. Anyway, so I mean, I, I and but the flip side of this is, I take your question. I mean, I do think that the analysis of what if they had done it differently, would that have worked? While a good Gemara question is not a very good practical question. Right. And I think that maybe this may be a Talmudic exercise. Right, right. Okay. So speaking of the Kohanim, I'm going to jump to, it's really just a little piece at the very end of the daf. Um, it says as follows. So we're, we're talking about, you know, everything that happened in this day. It includes um, the dressing when Moshe Rabbeinu dressed Aharon and his sons to be the Kohanim. So the Gemara says as follows. Ketzad Hilbishan. How were they dressed? Meaning... How did Moshe dress them? Ketzad Halbishan. So then the Gemara says, what do you mean? How did he dress them? Maida Hava Hava. Maida Hava Hava is that which was, was. It's kind of the opposite of Kesarasara, right? It's, this has already happened. And here you're, Dana, here you've got your question. Although the number of places, I don't know the number, the, the cases where Maida Hava Hava shows up in the Gemara of, to say what happened, happened, is worth its own dissertation. I, in fact, I think it's been written. Meaning it is a huge topic in the, it is not a phrase that is employed lightly where they're going to say, well, what happened, happened. 
they didn't say this all through the part that you were talking about already, right? And here it flips the question on its head and says, what do you mean, how do you dress? I mean, he already did. They were already dressed. Don't worry about it. Rather ask, how are they going to be dressed? How will they be dressed in the future? Uh, you know, in the time of Triatamitim, in the time of a new Beit Hamikdash, Latid Lavo Nami, Moshe Imahem. And so the Gemara says, "Well, what do you mean? In the future, it's going to be Aaron and his sons, and it will be Moshe. Meaning, and we're talking about a time of the resurrection of the dead, and they'll know exactly what to do because they've already done it. So you don't have a question here. Don't worry about it. Which, again, I find to be an interesting discussion point. Certainly, in terms of, you know, there are." Very, there's a very careful uh, delineation of the big day kahuna of the garments that the coin was supposed to wear a coin hedyot, like just a regular coin, and also the coin gadol. And there's you know eight garments for the coin gadol and four garments for the coin hedyot. And the idea that there's a specific order in which to you know to dress them is is not a shocking question if we're talking about you know Chazal, who as we as you and I, Yordana, keep talking about, you know, they have been talking about the Beit Hamikdash as if it's before them to say what's the order to do this in? What order did it happen from Moshe to Aaron and his children? And perhaps that's how we should be doing it in the Beit HaMikdash that is not actually in our day, but we're talking about it as if it is in our day. It's, again, I, I find the question, the desire to know, to be reasonable. And I find it interesting that here the Gemara does what you would have, might have wanted it to do over there, which is to say, you know, what, what are you asking this for? And so then the Gemara kind of re- revises this. Ella, Ketzad Hobishan, so the Gemara says again, how did he dress them? Meaning, what are these verses that talks about them? So the Gemara says, So then the question becomes, well, is it that he dressed Aaron and then dressed his sons, Aaron's sons, or that they were all done simultaneously, you know, uh, with no with no shift in in the order or whatever. So again, like this t- again seems to be like begging the question of why why is this important? Once we're going to establish that it's important, and we're talking specifically about Moshe and his sons, and this is the order, meaning the order being the people and not the garments, then that there for sure, right? There's no application for any other case but their own resurrection from the dead, where Moshe can do what he already did. And then Abaye goes on to talk about exactly what the order is going to be. Um, he says, These are two of the garments, the tunic and the mitre, the hat thing. Everybody says it was first Aaron and then the sons. Because Aaron has to come first. I mean, he's going to be the coin Gadol, right? So that's the role here is a little bit different also. Where did they disagree? Their disagreement was about the belt. And it says, says, well, Aaron, you know, came first and then his children. The question is, you know, it should be that he, because it says specifically, um, it says he, he belted him and then he belted them. Basically, so then the very fact that the verse comes back, meaning again in Vayikra, what in Leviticus, when it comes back to say this, um, six verses later, it, it's using the plural, so that makes it doesn't that make it clear? 
But what about if the view that says that they were all had this belt at the same time? The fact, so it's a third time, meaning the, the building gets a number of different biblical verses on it. And it says, He belted them, them, and that verse seems to imply all of them, meaning all of them as it were at the same time. So this discussion of exactly how were they belted, and again, this narrows that question of how did Moshe dress them to how did Moshe belt them? I, I, don't, I don't know that I have a good handle on why the Gemara, A, needs to narrow it so much. I mean, I guess it's kind of answered that in terms of the question of, of rejecting the question. But then again, so then why is this an important question of what the order is? Is it an ambiguity of the verses that they're trying to address? Um, and again, you know, as you said, Yordana, I don't know that this is going to be necessary for some time in the future. I think there's some point that's trying to be made on this staff that the details really matter. When it comes to the Mishkan and what comes to the Avoda, details really matter. And so in a way, you're, they're taking it to this like absurd Talmudic discussion of like, well, what if this hadn't happened and this hadn't happened, you know, in the past? Or did it really make a difference, you know, when the belt was placed and who placed it? And I think the Gemara's ultimate is saying yes. When we're talking about things that are in service to God in the Mishkan and that Avoda place, those details are actually very important. Right. And I will just note that on the next stuff, meaning if you skip ahead just a couple of words onto the next stuff, it starts to say, well, see, the the belt of the Kohen Gadol is different from the belt of the of the Kohen Kohenic Hedyot. Meaning that might also be an answer. Right. The fact that they're not wearing the same belt means that it couldn't it might provide a reason to raise the question. Because other garments that both that both the Kohen Gadol and the Kohen Hedyot wear are identical. And the g- garments that the Kohen Gadol wears that the Kohen Hedyot don't wear, they're remarkably different, right? So to say that, well, the belt is different between them is already something a little bit perhaps more unusual in the actual uniforms. Right. I think that, yeah, I think that's the practical answer. But this, oh, the overall theme that I would give to this staff is, you know, the details really matter whether they happen in the past or whether they're going to happen in the future. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Rabbanit Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about some of the details of this stuff on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. 